Hi, and welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share real and personal stories of encounters with God. I'm your host, Robin, and I am here with Dawn, Katie, and Lindy. And at Storytellers Live, our prayer is that you would meet God in a new way through these stories, that you would realize that you're not alone, and that walls would be broken down and community would be built. Today, we have Dana from Vestavia, and this one is a little different. You may remember a few weeks ago in our podcast, we had uh, had a recording that was from our Facebook Live gathering after we all went into quarantine, and this was another one of those stories. And this was a follow-up, and full disclaimer, Dana is my sister. (laughs) I feel like you all should know that going into this. But she originally shared in episode nine about her husband having a chronic disease, Mm -hmm. a chronic illness, and being in chronic pain. And, um, and this is her follow-up story. And I say in there that it's a miraculous transformation, and it is. Yes, I, I, I loved it. I loved listening. Today, I has so much wisdom anyway, but just um, listening to just the transformation that mm-hmm. took place in her husband and how it all happened after she shared at the first um, storyteller mm-hmm. gathering that she spoke at. And we actually titled this one, God as the Waymaker, because he certainly made a way for the two of them mm-hmm. as a couple and especially for Chris, her husband's health. Yeah. And if you didn't listen to her first podcast on episode nine, don't worry. She actually does a great job doing yes, a, she does. a short recap. But if you want the really long version, as a matter of fact, I think her first story was our longest podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can go back to episode nine and listen. But here is Dana. Today's episode is sponsored by Village Dermatology, and y'all, I just turned 50, and I wish I would have started taking care of my skin sooner. Village Dermatology offers all your skincare needs under one roof. Village Dermatology is currently open and seeing limited appointments in their office. They are also offering virtual telemedicine visits for anyone who is unable to come into the office or prefers to stay at home. You can also still purchase their medical-grade skincare through no-contact curbside pickup or on their online store with free shipping. Village Dermatology wants you to face every moment of your life with confidence and self-assurance. For more information, visit their website at villagedermatology.net. Village Dermatology, helping you live a beautiful life. Hey, y'all. For those of you I don't know, yes, I'm Dana, Robin's sister. I mean, thanks so much just for tuning in. I think my hope for today is just that I can give people some hope um, in light of Groundhog's Day that we're kind of living in. Um, So let me just start by kind of rehashing my story for those that have not heard it before, or for those of you that heard it a long time ago, a lot of you lived it with me. I'm just going to give a real quick synopsis of what my story was so you can kind of understand where we're going from here. But our story was one that I never wanted. Um, Nobody ever really wants the hard ones. But my story started about three years into marriage. Chris just got sick a lot. So for a span of about eight years, he was sick all the time. And it mainly was nausea, stomach, migraines. Uh, It was really bad about the last three years. So 2015 to 2018 is really where my story lived. Um, Just to talk about all the pain he went through, all the heartaches, going to several different doctors, not figuring out what was going on. Um, missing several holidays, every day kind of felt like, here we go again, God, can you heal him today? And what I kind of shared in my story was 
I felt sorry for myself for so long. I felt sorry for Chris until my empathy was gone. And then I felt sorry for my kids having to live through that. And what I learned and what I shared then was that God was in the middle of it the whole time. I just had to open my eyes. And so when I started shifting my view from, I feel so sorry for myself to seeing God every single day, things just changed and my joy shifted. Now, I will say it was still extremely hard, but my attitude changed. And so what I shared then, I wasn't the story that ended in a nice, neat tad bow by any means, because when I ended my story, he was still in chronic pain. We didn't know why the migraines were happening. We didn't know why the throwing up was happening. And he was basically in his room 24 seven. But I just ended hopefully with just providing that there was still joy and that God was still in it. Um, because every day truly felt like Groundhog's Day. Sound familiar? And that's just where we were living in that uncertainty of would he ever be healed? But I just needed the Lord to really work in me. And that's what I shared that day. So at the end of that story, I'm going to catch you up now. What I didn't share then, but I'm sharing with you now is, or I probably would have fallen apart had I shared it that morning. The day before I shared, I got a phone call. I was working at Vestavia West and over the intercom, they said, Danny Shahani, can you buzz the office? Because I wasn't in my room. It was a break. I was probably chatting with other teachers. That's what I love to do during my break. And they said, can you call your mother-in-law? And so I was like, oh my goodness. Well, she was spending some time with Chris and he was texting me and he, he just said, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And he just continued to say that over and over. I just can't do this anymore. I can't live with this anymore. And the morning that I shared, Robin kept saying, are you sure we can just have a prayer meeting? You don't have to do this. But I so strongly felt the Holy Spirit saying, you got to do this. You've got to share. I need you to share. But I also heard him say, all hell is about to break loose. Like, you're going to share this and I need you to trust me because things are going to have to fall apart before they come back together. And I can't even describe, but I knew it was coming. However, I knew I had to share. So it was just this bizarre feeling. Well, that morning I asked my mother-in-law to please come just hang out with him because of his mental state. He just wasn't doing good at all. Well, she came over and he saw that as babysitting. So he decided to leave, just leave, just left the house, um, didn't know where he was. So the whole time I spoke and shared, he was not there, did not know where he was, did not know if he'd be there when I got back. But I knew that God said, do this. So also at the end of that story, a sweet friend that was sitting at Storytellers that day came up to me and she said, I know you've seen a million doctors. I know that y'all are probably tired of getting advice. But I really, truly feel like you need to go to a different doctor. And another friend was sitting next to her and she said, I think you need to go to her husband. He is an internist and he, I just think he would care. He would not be a number. And I was like, look, if Chris will go, I'll do it. But it's going to be him. But sure, we'll go for it. Well, miraculously, Chris said he would go to a different doctor again. I mean, this would probably be like the 15th or 16th or more doctor at this point, different doctor. So he went, well, y'all ended up being a guy that graduated with him from high school that he knew that he trusted, that he really liked. And that doctor just spent so much time with him just looking at everything. He, he said, let's just start from scratch. Let's pretend like you haven't seen anyone. You haven't gone to anybody. He ran all the numbers. He did all the blood work. Um, and he came back. Uh, this was about two weeks after I shared. So I shared in February, 2018. Okay. So this was probably the end of February. He came back and said, the blood pressure's high and different numbers are high. Can you just keep coming in and let's run some different tests? Um, so he did. Well, 
Y'all, it took a while to get some of the CT scans back because they could turn out blurry. And it, again, it just kind of felt like, is this going to amount to anything? We all, on April 3rd, 2018, we found out he had a pituitary tumor. Well, today is April 3rd. And to me, there is just no coincidence in that, that God knew then and he knew now how this story would unfold two years later, which is crazy. And as I was going through this to, I have been writing everything in my journal um, since it all started. And when I read that, I sent that to Robin right away. I said, you're not going to believe this. You've been asking me to share it. I feel like I'm ready. And it's the exact date two years later. So they found a pituitary tumor um, in the gland. Well, for some people that isn't a big deal, they can take medicine and it can um, shrink or it can stay the same size. But we, most people aren't excited to hear they have a tumor. For us, we were like, please, Jesus, let this be the answer. So this doctor sent us to someone that he said, she's one of the most profound you know, neurosurgeons around and she's in Birmingham. However, she's so hard to get into. And we were like, that's okay, let's do it. Well, we got in with Dr. Riley and a Dr. Vaughn, who is an endocrinologist, they work together and they do pituitary tumors and they work on those just one day a week. That's solely their focus. But because of that, we could not get in until June 12th. Well, again, this is like April 3rd, that's June 12th. And as much as we're thinking we've lived through this for so long, we can wait. We were like, how are we going to make it to June 12th? Just to kind of let you know in that span between April 3rd and June 12th, things got crazy. Um, things were so hard. And just like I told you when I shared, I heard God audibly say, like, hold onto your bootstraps. And during that time, our marriage was so hard, as you can imagine. He was depressed. Um, I didn't have any empathy. I was trying to run my classroom and my kids and him, and I was doing it on very little sleep and lots of stress. And I just kept thinking, oh my gosh, God, how are we going to do this? And tried to go to counseling. Um, we went to somebody who was amazing. And just to let y'all know, she looked at me, he kind of got up in the middle and walked out and, um, she looked at me, she said, you're going to have to come by yourself. He's just not in the headspace. He's, he's not present. You just need to come on your own. So I went back and I'm thinking, yes, she's going to validate me, confirming I'm going to get this all out. And the first thing she says to me is 225% controlling. And I was like, um, that's not really what I was going for. I really came for you to tell me I was great and things were great and it was him. But what she said was, he married you to be his wife. He didn't marry you to be his mom and, or a mom in general. Like no husband wants a mother, wants a wife that's like a mom to them like they are to the kids. Well, all I knew was teaching, mother henning, the whole flock. And when she said that, it just kind of took me back. And I had to say, okay, God, you have so much you want to do in me right now. Like I can only control how I allow you to work in my life. I can't control how you're working in his life. I can pray for him and nauseam, but I can no longer control him. And y'all, I just let go of the reins. It was like that day I cut every cord. I quit telling him what to do. I quit telling him to exercise. I quit asking him how he felt. I let it go. I mean, I, I served him like I served my kids with dinners and drinks and whatever we needed to do. And I tried to love on him. And I just saw a change in him when I cut that cord and I let go, when I quit being so controlling. Um, and I just saw things in his life start to change. He really started to dig deep. But again, in the midst of that, I can't even tell you how hard, how hard marriage was. Any of you can ask me, we are such open books. In fact, Chris went to pastors in our church during that time. 
I went to different people. We were like, here is our story and we need help and we need prayer and we need love. And I will share that with any of you who want to know. I'm going to spare details on here only because there may be some awesome little listening ears and also because I want to respect him. Um, and we talked about this and he's like, share whatever you want. That's just how he is. But I also want to respect him. So if you have any questions, feel free to ask. Just know that it was horrific. And I lived each day saying, are we going to make it? Is this going to make it? But I knew I had to grip God. That's all I could do. So during that span, I also got to go on a women's retreat with my church, which they really talked about seasons, letting go of things. And I'm like, oh, buddy, am I having to let go of so much? So God just was really working on both of us. And after all the teardowns and breakdowns, and when I say he broke us down to nothingness, he did with both of us. Um, and I think my kids through all that, they're very observant and they're very wise. And I just loved them all I could, but I think they grew more spiritually than, than ever before. Um, and I just saw such a change in them. Well, we were getting real close to, to June 12th. I mean, probably 9th or 10th of June is what I mean by close to June. And I just felt like he's still this different husband. It's not who I married. There was a total personality shift. But I thought I'm seeing a glimpse of hope in him that I had not seen in so long. And I know it's because that appointment was coming. I'd also been talking to a doctor in Virginia who kind of solidified my feelings that when you have a pituitary tumor, just so y'all know, it makes your hormones produce it three times the rate. And he thinks Chris has been doing this for like three years. This neurosurgeon in Virginia is amazing. And he spent time with me. I wasn't his patient. I just emailed him out of desperation. And he spent an hour on the phone with me one day, kind of just saying, hang in there. He sent me, I mean, who does that, right? He sent me articles about um, pituitary tumor and how it can affect things when hormones are growing at a, or being produced at a rapid rate. And it just made me feel like, okay, maybe this isn't him. Maybe this, he's not trying to be this way either. Not only was he depressed, but he truly was a different person. So June 12th comes, we're in the doctor's office and we're both just grasping, like, I can't believe this day's come. The first thing they say to us is, well, Dana, I think he did some good research because I had told them, I really think he has this thing called acromegaly. And they said he definitely has that and the pituitary gland is definitely pushing. Well, acromegaly, just so you know, I won't get into all the details, but it made his nose, his ears, everything was growing. Like it doesn't stop growing. And I would look at pictures and think, it looks like an 80 year old man. Like what is happening? And his fingers, they called it sausage fingers and just everything was growing still. So anyway, they, they looked at me, they said, yeah. And, and they said, his, his needs to come out. We're like, praise Lord. And they said, really, this is probably what's been going on for so long. So she said, let me get out my calendar and see when we can schedule a surgery. And I'm thinking, Lord, I can't, we can't do another three months. Like we, we need this done. And she looked down and she looked up and she said, well, guess what? We just had a cancellation for tomorrow. And I was like, done, take it. We're in. And Chris looked at me like I had five heads. He's like, um, this isn't you. This is me. And I'm like, yep, you're doing it tomorrow. But the control had to come back for a minute because we needed this done. So he, we called our parents, both of our parents, amazing took the kids. My dad had been retired. He jumped back in, helped Chris um, take back over the business. Um, just all hands on deck. We called all friends like, we may need you to take kids. We may need whatever, but we're having surgery tomorrow and there's a tumor coming out. So that happened. Well, June 13th, the tumor came out. They had to take it. They had to go up in his nose, remove it from the back of the pituitary gland, pull it back out of his nose, um, which is so gross and weird to think about, but that's what they did. And y'all, it was just, he had the pain, obviously, from the surgery, 
but even in those few days we were in the neurological ICU at UAB and, and healing from this, he said, I already can tell the pain's gone from where it was already. So it was just amazing to, to just that quick. And he, of course he felt, like I said, a surgery pain, but he said all that pain that I have with migraines with stomach, like something's different, I'm telling you. So we were home for about eight to 12 weeks. He could not drive. And again, thank you for all those listening that stepped in during that time and just took over our kids. But that was probably some of the sweetest eight to 12 weeks because each week I watched my husband come back. Each week I watched a little bit of his personality come back and the hope come back. And again, he kept thanking me like, I don't know what's changed in you, but thank you for not bossing me around. <laughs> thank you for not telling me what to do. I'm like, you can thank the counselor because she made me realize it's me too. Um, but we were even able to call our counselor during that time. He couldn't go in. And she said, who is this? And he just reintroduced himself. And she's like, well, my goodness, I can't believe I'm talking to the same person in this quick of a time. But God just, it was, it was miraculous, honestly, um, that all that was happening at that time. So fast forward to July, we're about to start the new school year. Well, I sat down with our teachers and the principal and assistant principal at my school said, hey, can everybody just come up with a word for the year? I want you to have a word, a theme word. And of course with teachers, it's like inspire, learn, create. And I was like, new. And she's like, can you explain new? And I said, yes, like new, I'm gonna be a new person. And everybody's kind of laughing, I just said, I feel like I can actually teach my kids without 8 million bricks on my shoulders. I can be a new mom. I can be a new wife. Um, I feel like my kids are going to get so much more just new. And for those of y'all that live in Vestavia, we knew that rezoning was coming and new teachers were going to be displaced. And so I just said, there's going to be a lot of new, but I am all for it. Y'all just hang in there. It's going to be great. So I think I was the only one that felt that way at the time. Um, and we each been had to write it down. So here was my word new and I saved it and I put it on my desk because wait until I tell you what all happened that year. So new began in August. We went on a trip to Napa. Chris and I decided to celebrate all that God had done. So I am a penny pincher, but I was like, we're going. So we went and stayed with his best friend in California. We went to wine country and did Napa and came back. And um, that was the start of new. Like I said, we, December, we got a new dog. Um, we had an older dog that we knew didn't have a whole lot of time left. And we just needed some new. So she brought in a whole lot of new energy and late nights. January rolled around and the rezoning discussions all really started kicking in and they were about to tell teachers where they were going to go. So we had that kind of new feeling and excitement. And then February, Chris looked at me and he's like, you know, I think I'm ready to move. And I was like, yes, because something I have not shared with y'all that this whole time, like I loved our old house. We did a lot to it that we wanted to do. And I loved our neighbors and my word, I loved our neighbors, but I just felt like everything in that house was hard. All the memories were hard. Um, everything in it just felt hard and heavy. And I just wanted a new start. And I kept telling Robin and different people like, we gotta get this house. She's like, don't you dare tell Chris that right now. Especially, I mean, I was saying that when y'all, when he was at his worst and we were like, not doing well, let's just get out of the house. Well, moving's probably not gonna help. Um, so for him to say, I think I want to move, I, I was all over it. Y'all's packing boxes that night. I was like calling a real estate agent. I was done. I was ready. Get me out. So we put it on the market. Well, in those two weeks, Robin had given me a book called The Year of Living Happy by Allie Worthington. And it was at that time, my headspace couldn't handle like really 
deep theological devotion. This was amazing because it hit me right where I needed. It was just a little bit of happy every day and taking you back to the gospel. Well, on March 14th, I'm going to have to read y'all what I wrote because it doesn't even make sense. It says God's plan, not my plan. And the bottom question, it gives you, you know, what you would read. And then the bottom says, have you sensed that God has a different path for your life than the one you're on? If so, stop right now and ask him to follow his lead. Record what you sense him leading you to do, then take a step he's calling you to take. Well, this is what I wrote, and I, and I don't even know why I wrote it, but I wrote, okay, God, the house, we're putting it on the market. You bring us the offer, we'll take it, we're out of here. Job-wise, Lord, give me the job you want for me. Keep me on the right path and make it clear. I want your plans alone. P.S. If we sell, please have a place for us to go. Well, I loved my job loved my job. I was with some of my very best friends in the whole wide world. I loved my children. I loved teaching gifted. I loved West. I loved everything about it. Why in the world did I write my job and the plans you would have for me? I really don't even know. But during those two weeks, when we have our house in the market, we got a contract on it. And the pastors at my church called and said, hey, can you come in and talk to us? We were at the point right then where we were needing a children's ministry director and they knew that I'd worked in children's ministry for 14 years at Mountain Brook. And they said, can you just come in and talk to us? And I was like, yes, y'all. I had my list of everything I wanted to be done in that ministry, plus 16 names of people, uh-huh, controlling, right? 16 names of people that I wanted to do this job. I mean, interns around the city. I had looked, I spent like that whole night after they called me researching all these names of people. So I go in the next day and I've got all my lists like ready to go and I'm gung-ho, put me on the team, let's find somebody quickly. And three of our main pastors who I just adore, Head Pastor Tim Callum and Kevin Delaney and Ralph Bishop all sat there and they kind of looked at me and they read through the qualifications and what they were looking for in somebody and then they said, we really think it's you. We've all separately thought about this and all three of us think that this is supposed to be you. And we couldn't tell you why we were bringing you in the office because we knew you wouldn't show up. <laughs> So I think my mouth dropped, my eyes slipped, and I said, y'all, I could not love working with children's ministry more. You know, I've been here doing this 14 years as a volunteer, but I love my job. I'm, I'm nine years in the state, one year more year to be vested, and I love what I do. I love everything about it, and the insurance with Chris, all Chris's stuff, like the insurance can't be beat, and I just said, I'm at such a good place. I love y'all, and I love this, and I'm so honored that you would even consider me, but it really can't be me, but I've like made a list of people and they said, can you please just pray about it and get back to us? And I was like, okay, but you're gonna have to give me like two weeks. Now in my mind, just to let y'all know, I was 99% sure I was not taking it. I was 1% sure I could pray. That's about where it was. I go home and I pray about it. I cry lots of times. Um, I made every pro and con list you could ever think of. And Chris was like, for the love, can, can you just make a decision? And he was really at first like, no way, no way, because he sees future and he's thinking you have one more year to get vested. You need, we need the insurance. But then he saw my heart and he knew, he just knew that I needed to, that he needed to let me roll with this with God. He's like, I cannot tell you, but I'll tell you that I'll support you hundred percent what you decide, which is all I needed to hear. But again, each day moving forward, got like 1% closer. So it's still in that 90% not going to take it range. Then I went to Publix one day. Don't know why Publix. I can't remember exactly where I was. I was down by the ice. And I just got this vision of everything I wanted our kids ministry to look like. I mean, like every plan just popped in my head. 
I knew my kids were going to be fourth and fifth grade. They had one more year in it. I knew what I wanted them to have. And then I like got this vision of myself talking in front of my church. And I don't know why, because I don't know why, but I just got this vision of myself explaining to the church why I was taking this job. Well, there was my answer. Um, I'd start sobbing in the middle of Publix and I just have to walk out. I think I just left my card. I don't even remember, but I walked out and I knew I had to take this job. The hardest part was telling teachers and teacher friends because I knew this is what God had called me to do too. How do you choose between two amazing jobs? Like whoever gets that opportunity. But I also knew God was saying like, I, I, I know you have to be smart and be a good steward of your money, but I don't care about retirement. I don't care about vested and I will provide whatever you need if you follow my plan. And I had learned with all this with Chris, like I have to come with my hands open. When we tie our stories with a bow, we leave God out because what we're saying is it's done. We're done here. And I just knew like, okay, God, you've done this much for me. Why would you stop now? And I just remember going to people going, am I crazy? Like, what am I doing? So I told the church and I think they were kind of surprised because I just said, can I come talk to you? And, um, but it was awesome. It was a really awesome feeling. Um, they asked me if I would speak in front of the church to tell while I was taking this, which hello, there was my vision in public. And then I just said, hey, can I spend the rest of the summer just processing? Plus, we don't have a house. Let me backtrack. We still don't have a house. What we did was moved in with my precious parents who have a three-bedroom, two-bath house. There were six of us with the kids and three dogs, and they were precious because they just scattered out, moved all their stuff where they could, and it was awesome. Um, it ended up being a really sweet time. God provided a house in another unexpected way. We were just driving by, and this guy said, hey, you want to come look at ours? another new. Um, we signed a contract that night. We looked at it that night. It was not on the market. Got it. Um, was able, we were able to move in right when school started. Now to continue the new, my kids did have to change schools because I was teaching at West. They were going with me and we were sent East and poor Wells. He went East, West, Central, East. Four schools. He's in fifth grade. Bless him. And now he's homeschooled. Um, but God just did all that new. And we started the year that way. I was able to start full-time ministry. And if you listened to my story before, or if you didn't, one thing I shared was that I always envisioned that I would marry someone in full-time ministry. I made the mistake of telling Chris, I thought you'd be a pastor, a youth pastor, in one of our, you know, pre-engaged arguments or whatever. And he's like, what? What are you doing? But I, that was my, I just wanted to be a part of ministry. So I thought I'll just marry someone in it and I'll do that. But I, what God had all along was to put me back in full-time ministry. And that desire was so big. And so huge, and I didn't even realize it. So what God, what I had planned all along was nothing, what God had planned all along. And so one thing I just want to share with you all, too, is people always ask, like, are you sad that Chris didn't know for so long? And my answer to that is no. While I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy, and while I wouldn't wish that, I mean, that was so hard for my family, it brought us to where we are. And honestly, it took all those years, I think to break both of us down to ashes, to build beauty back up. And we just had to sit in that uncertainty and sit in that Groundhog Day feeling um, to work out. And God was pruning and cutting the whole time. So no, I'm not sad because it was God's perfect timing. And, and that's what brought us to now. Um, all the things that went with it, y'all, we, we knew the problem. We just couldn't, we couldn't fix it on our own. We couldn't fix any of this on our own. And the last thing I kind of just want to share is one of my favorite songs right now is Waymaker. And just the words in that, um, he's our waymaker. He's our miracle worker. 
light and the darkness. That's who he is. And right now, while things look bleak and we've lost all control for those of you like me who are control mongers and we just need it, we don't have it. We don't have control. And while it looks so bleak, just to know that he's the way maker, he's making a way. Um, it doesn't always look pretty. He tells us, John 16, 33, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take, just know that I'm in control. Take heart because I've overcome the world. And I pray this all ends in our world soon. I really do. But what my past has taught me is that his timing will come and it's going to be right and we're going to be different. Okay. So <laughs> re-listening to Dana's story has made me a complete mess. Um, having walked through it, you know, as her sister is, and we're very close and we, we live in the same neighborhood. Like we're, my whole family's all right here. Um, so it was actually a more difficult listen than I realized. So I'm probably not going to give a ton of input <laughs> on this back end of the discussion. Um, but I want to let everybody else talk about it and I'll pop in. <laughs> well, I'll go ahead and tell you one of my favorite things in the story was when she talked about coming to God with your hands wide open. Because when we tie our stories with a bow, we leave God out. I thought that was just so profound in, in a good visual of, of coming to God with our hands wide open. And she touched on this at the end um, when there was a Q&A section. So listen in on, on her answer to that. God's told me to say this. I think some people watching, and it's just probably God putting this on my heart. Some people probably don't have, their marriage may not have ended like mine did, where things were for so, full circle and it's better now than it ever was. Um, and I realized that, that some people are in the thick of heart, or maybe you're in a divorce now, or maybe somebody's died in your family lately that you couldn't be at their funeral or a wedding got canceled or babies being born and you can't be there. I just, I do realize that everybody is going through something so hard right now. But I just wanted to be able to share this to say, like, we have so much hope in our God. And I hate if people's stories did not get to have some epiphany and like, yes, it, it will come in God's timing, even if it's the other side of here and it's heaven. Um, but I just really felt like I needed to say, like, I, I don't think anybody's story needs to be tied with a bow ever. Um, keep your story wide open and know that God's, God's in it. And people would often tell me, like, God will pull you out of that pit. And what I, I really wanted to say is like, sometimes I think he sits in the pit with you. And I think he joins you in that pit. Sometimes you can't be pulled out of the pit. You just physically can't even be pulled out. But he gets in the deep, dark place with you and sits beside you. And he's there all the time. I love how she describes, you know, she's overcome so much of this. But how there are others out there right now who are still in the heart. Right. And we are all, are all going through something really hard. But to remember that God is with us in the highs of mm -hmm. highs, but he's also there with us in the low of lows, that we are never left alone. And she really, really just explains the hope that we have in Jesus, that we, we heard her story back a couple of years ago. And just to really see how far she has come personally, just gosh, it gives us all so much hope. Yeah, I said I said after the um, the recording that. It, just her whole countenance had changed mm -hmm. and, and truly just her being able to look back and remember and see God's hand in the ditch, in the gutter, in the hard. Yeah. He was already there. He had gone before her and just, I mean, truly made a way. Yeah. I mean, he was the way maker in their marriage. And I, I don't know, I just found so much hope and, and just 
and how she laid it out. Yeah, I, I love how she um, gave that visual of a lot of times we want God to pull us out of the pit, but sometimes he wants to get down in the pit with us. And really, that's when he does, I think, his best work. At least that's in my experience. You know, when I'm in the pit is when he's taught me the most about myself and about him. So we just appreciate Dana being vulnerable once again and letting us into her world of what God has done in her life. And, and you know, something that, that keeps popping up for me is that God, I mean, he's not in the details. He's in the minute details yeah. that we actually debated whether or not we should do this whole Facebook Live thing because it was a lot of work. It was, we didn't know who was watching. We had all just gone into quarantine and honestly, everybody was kind of a mess. And so I called her and I was like, do you really want to do this? Because I kind of don't. <laughs> <laughs> and she told me that literally the day she was supposed to share was the day they got the diagnosis for his tumor. And I was like, well, Lord, if that's not confirmation, I don't know what is. And some people, you know, think you're crazy when you look at dates and numbers and times. But you look at that and you think God does not miss a thing, yeah. not one thing. Uh, so thanks for joining us today. Thanks for listening to Dana's story and her follow-up. And again, it just brings so much hope really to listen to where she was two years ago, to where she is now. God can do immeasurably more, you know. And so thanks for listening and follow us. If you um, if you want to give us some feedback, this is actually a topic of living with someone in chronic pain that we've gotten a lot. So if you have questions, if you want to reach out, you can find us on storytellerslive.org and send us an email, or you can find us on social media at Storytellers Live Podcast. And we answer our DMs on Instagram and messages on Facebook. So reach out and let us let us know your thoughts. Let us know how God used this story. And we will talk to you next week. Bye.